Good morning, everyone. Exodus 4. So in Exodus 3, Moses was given the very challenging task of leaving Midian, going back to Egypt, where he had previously killed an Egyptian, and to go and talk to his people, the Israelites, and let them know that God was about to set them free and have them listen to him, and then go to the Egyptian pharaoh and say, let my people go. Uh, An incredible, daunting task. Can you imagine just doing that, walking into a country and saying, hey, you need to let these people go and, and expecting the king to listen to you? So indeed, it was challenging. However, you know, God did speak to Moses through the burning bush and spoke to Moses clearly to let him know that he was to do this. But yet Moses had his doubts about the task ahead. So in verse chapter 4, verse 1, then Moses said, What if they will not believe or listen to what I say? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And he's talking about right now going to his people, the Israelites, and letting them know that God's going to set them free. Uh, the Lord said to him, Why is it? What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. Then he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand and grasp it by its tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. Now, (laughs) I kind of marveled at that, you know, depending upon who you are. And Moses, you know, I think physically, and we'll, we'll see this more, but physically I think he was very brave. I think Moses likely had some physical prominence likely was a strong man and you know he killed an Egyptian and buried him and then also when uh his father-in-law's daughters were came out to get water and they were being mistreated he stepped in and defended them you got to be pretty physically tough to do both of those tasks and he had that nature in him to be strong in that way But there's also some weaknesses in Moses too. Yeah, so we'll see those weaknesses today. But anyways, yeah, when he said stretch out your hand, I mean, how long would it take for some of us (laughs) to, if you were afraid of snakes, to grab that snake by its tail? Uh, Anyways, it doesn't seem like Moses wrestled with that question too long. And he grabbed the tail and it became back into a staff in his hand. It was a miracle. And and God was going to give him that miracle to help people listen. And verse five, it says that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And don't forget that because I think that becomes significant. He's saying the God of your patriarch family, the God of, you know, of Abraham has appeared to you and he's given you this miracle. And when they see this miracle, but you need to attribute it to the fact that this is from the God of Abraham. There, the Lord furthermore said to him, verse six, now put your hand into your bosom. So he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then he said, put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand into his bosom again. And when he took it out of his bosom, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. And they probably knew uh, leprosy seemed to be something that 
was fairly common or it's talked about quite a bit in the Bible and they would know how difficult it would be for leprosy to go away, especially without modern medicine. So to have it appear and then go away right away would, would show God's power. If they will, verse eight, if they will, uh, let me just say verse seven again. Then he said, put your hand into your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again. And when he took it out of his bosom, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you or heed the witness of the first sign, they may believe the witness of the last sign. So he's given them two miraculous signs now so that Israel will listen to him when he comes. But if they will not believe in even these two signs or heed what you say, then you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. And the water which you take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. Wow. So he's going to give them three signs in order to convince the people to let him go, to go with him or follow him in going to Pharaoh and asking for their deliverance. Then Moses said to the Lord, please, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither recently nor in the past, nor since you have spoken to your servant. For I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. The Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. But he said, please, Lord, now send the message by whomever you will. Moses literally is trying to get out of the task because he says he can't speak. And I find that very interesting. Well, obviously, you know, I'm a teacher, so speaking doesn't have that, you know, I don't don't necessarily have that fear. And I don't want to be insensitive to those that may have that like Moses did. But what I want to say is it's very interesting how man tells themselves that they can't do something. And I really think there are a lot of things in life that people go through in life where they continually tell themselves, I can't do this. When they have two arms and two legs and a mouth and they can, they can do it. And yeah, like I don't want to be uncompassionate because I don't think that way typically and, and, and you know, maybe this is too much, right, pride or whatever, but I usually typically think I can. I see a challenge and I think, well, that can be overcome. And I sometimes want to inspire people to have that kind of mindset, to believe that with God, you can. All things are possible through God. And I I, I don't like it when... I don't want to say it that way. Lord, help me. I don't like letting that go when people feel they can't when I know that they can. And, you know, God can God can use you. God can do anything through you. And, you know, I'm not trying to get you to top jump, jump off the top of a building for the Lord and trust that he's going to hold you up. That's not what God wants us to do. But in serving his kingdom, he can do far more than you think or imagine. He can use you. You you can do things that maybe in your life you told yourself you can't do. God can do it in you. 
Uh, I was watching a commercial the other day. It was some commercial as it relates to somehow it examines your history, financial history, and it will tell you if you're spending unneedless money on subscriptions because some people, in fact, I just I just noticed I was paying $9.99 a month for Amazon Music and I didn't know I was paying that. As it turns out, that was this morning. That that How interesting of God. But in this commercial... It it would it researches maybe your credit card or or any subscription you have because some people sign up for things and then don't realize they're paying it and they just keep paying it. Well, this one lady was trying to promote this program or thing you can buy that will tell you if you're spending unneedless money, <clears throat> and basically she she was paying several subscriptions and she admitted that. She knew about him and that she actually had a phobia of calling. Like she didn't want to call to cancel. She was maybe afraid to have to say, I want to cancel and that the person on the other line would maybe give her a hard time. And I'm thinking this was a a young adult woman. I mean, she had to be in her mid twenties. That's what I would perceive from the commercial. And, And she did not want to have to call. And I'm thinking there's someone who, who has a, you know, the ability to call. She could have called. She was doing this commercial and she needed to grow, right? She needed to grow beyond where she was to realize that she can handle this. She can do that. And a lot of times that's what you just need. You need to be forced into doing the thing that you don't want to do so that you learn that you can do it. And you need to sometimes stop the devil from lying to you and telling you, that you can't do something that you physically can. And, you know, to almost be like, no, I'm not going to believe that lie anymore, that I can't do something that I can do. And what 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 is it for you? You know, there's so many things that I think we tell ourselves that we're incapable of, that we can, and man, press through. You can, you can do it. And, you know, this is what Moses is doing. Now, what, what God did uh, is he was angry with Moses about this because he's like, Moses, you can do this. Trust me. But you know, God gave him grace and he brought someone alongside. And you know, maybe that's me right now for you in an area where you're telling yourself you can't do it. Uh, maybe God's bringing that to your attention right now. And, and you know, this is something you needed to hear. But in this case, God brought, God allowed Moses to have Aaron come help him. So the anger of the Lord burned against Moses And he said, is there not your brother Aaron the Levite? And I know that he speaks fluently. And what a patience of God here that he is going to go ahead and and let Moses have a helper. So I know that he speaks fluently, Aaron. And moreover, behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. And you are to speak to him and put words in his mouth. And I, even I, will be with your mouth and his mouth, and I will teach what you are to do. So God already has this set up that he's going to bring someone alongside to help Moses. What a gracious thing of God to do that. Moreover, he shall speak for you to the people, and he will be as a mouth for you, and you will be as God to him. You shall take in your hand this staff with which you shall perform the signs. Then Moses departed, 
Apparently, this was comforting to Moses. He's like, all right, well, if Aaron's going to help me, I can do it. Then Moses departed and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go, that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they are still alive. So Moses has the courage now to go to his father-in-law and, and tell him about the task ahead. Um, you know, and what we'll see is that Moses does rely on Aaron, but over time he learns that he can do it. He learns that he can speak and on his own. Um, so th- this is a growing journey for him. But he goes to Mo- uh, to Jethro then, Please let me go that I may return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see if they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. Interesting how um, Jethro was like, you know, go ahead. Now the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So now this is regarding, you know, the fact that he killed that Egyptian. And he's saying everyone's passed now. It's going to be safer as a result of that. So Moses took his wife and his sons and mounted them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. Moses also took the staff of God in his hand. Well, that was good. But, you know, obviously God did a miracle through it. So he brought that staff. Then the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders which I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. He's comparing the nation to his firstborn son. So I say to you, let my son Israel go that he may serve me. But you have refused to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. And this ultimately is going to be the tenth and final plague that Pharaoh would lose his firstborn son if he doesn't let God's people go. And Pharaoh is going to have a hardened heart. I I believe he's got his own hardened heart and also God hardened it. And he's going to endure these plagues. And eventually Pharaoh's finally going to say go after his son loses his life through the tenth plague. Now, it came about at the lodging place on the way that the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Now, this is very interesting. It says that the Lord, in his frustration with Moses, sought or was about to put him to death. And I believe we can see some reasons why in a moment. Listen to this, verse 25. Then Zipporah, his wife, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and threw it at Moses' feet. And she said, you are indeed a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone at that time. At the time, she said, you are a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Now, this is interesting. So Moses's boy was not circumcised. Now, why is that? You may recall back in Genesis chapter, well, 12, 15, and 17, 12, God calls a family through Abraham. And now that's become God's family. And he says, I'm going to bless you. And I want you to be a blessing to the nations. And you might recall that they were childless and And in chapter 15, we get um, God 
promising Abraham that he's going to have as many children as there are stars in the sky, even though they're still barren. And even in chapter 17, they're still, well, yeah, I believe they're still barren in chapter 17. That makes me want to go back and look. I believe that's the case. And they get the sign of circumcision. And all the males then were supposed to be circumcised to show that they were part of God's family. God said, I'm going to set you guys apart. I want you to circumcise your boys. And that's going to be a sign. Yeah. And then, yeah, they still didn't have a child. And then in in chapter 18, uh, again, the birth of Isaac is promised. And then finally, they get the child. But circumcision was a way of being obedient, a way of being faithful to God, because he said, I've made you a family. I want you to circumcise yourselves to show that you are part of my family. So here, Moses is a Hebrew. Now he grew up in under the Egyptian Pharaoh, right? But he fled. He goes to Midian. He meets uh, someone from Abraham's family line. He marries into a Hebrew family. He marries Zipporah, Jethro's daughter. And he was a priest of Midian, some kind of ruler, chief priest of Midian, who was from Abraham's descendants. And for whatever reason, Abraham and Zipporah have not circumcised their child. Now, why would that be? I think it's a sign of disobedience. It's a sign that Moses and Zipporah, for some reason, were not obeying God in that way. And now Moses is going to come back to Egypt and say, let my people go or, you know, I'm coming to lead you out of Egypt. And their their young child is not circumcised. And that would be a reason for the Israelites to even question his faithfulness as to why, if he's going to lead them, why his child's not circumcised. So I really think it's a sign of disobedience that Moses and Zipporah had not circumcise this child, possibly even um, some friction in the relationship between Moses and Zipporah regarding this issue. But Zipporah somehow got a sign or an intuition that God was displeased and she went ahead and, and had the son circumcised. And this did, this did please God. This did appease God. Uh, and I want you to think about this. Imagine in your life, well, let me let me first of all, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. Go to Colossians chapter 2 and I want to go there with you. So we're going to go to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. You will find it after Ephesians before Philippians. If you're turning there with me, sorry, it's taking me. A, oh, excuse me, that's not right. Um, you will find it after Philippians, after Philippians in the Bible, Colossians chapter two, and this is what it says there. All right. Now, <clears throat> in Colossians two. Part of what's being discussed is the fact that you don't 
no longer follow God through honoring the law. And circumcision would be part of the law. And circumcision, although it's something that we do today, it's no longer required to be a believer in Jesus. Because now what matters ultimately is placing our trust and faith in him. And it's not through the law anymore in the new covenant. Now we circumcise our children because we found it to be healthier. And perhaps that's one of the reasons why God has prescribed for his people to be circumcised. So in Colossians chapter two, it, it, talks about let's not revert back to the law. Let's not revert back to following God through the law, but rather it needs to be through faith in Jesus. Let's pick it up in verse 8. And it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men. He's really talking about the law here. According to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Now we follow God through following Jesus For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and in him you have been made complete, and he is the head over all rule and authority. Now listen to this. And in him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. So like before, in the Old Testament days, to be part of God's family, there would be a physical circumcision by the hands, cutting the foreskin off a male, and that was made by the hands. But you also were circumcised, verse 11, with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So now, by placing our faith in Christ, it's as though we are identifying as part of God's family, like in the Old Testament, they circumcised to identify with God's family. Now we do that through faith, but hold on. Then it says this, verse 12, having been buried with him in baptism, as Jesus Christ died on that cross, he died and then was raised to new life. And in baptism, we are buried to our old way of life. We are buried to... to uh, our old ways, our old flesh, and we rise to new life in Jesus, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh before you believed in Jesus, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. Hallelujah. But isn't it interesting that there is a measure of baptism being compared to circumcision in that just as circumcision was our identification of being part of the family of God, now faith is the sign that we are part of the family of God. But the expression of that faith is baptism in that we die to our old ways in baptism and we rise to our new ways in Christ. And imagine for a moment a believer being called. Say you're called to ministry, you're called to missions, or you're just called to be a child of God, or maybe you're called to be a pastor. But for whatever reason you've held back, whatever reason you're hanging on to a sin, for whatever reason you're not following through and getting baptized, you're like, 
you're holding back that commitment to God. And God's about to ask you to a Moses task. He's asking you to go and serve him. And yet there's something that you're holding back from God. And God is seeing that Moses is holding back the obedience of circumcision of his son when he's being called to go to the Israelites to to help them be set free. And Moses isn't obeying. He's, he's, He's holding back. And may we not hold back. God wants to use us in greater degrees and in greater ways. But we got to go all in and we got to not hold back either sin or maybe even just the fact that we haven't been baptized. Uh, And, you know, sure enough, Zipporah did the right thing here in circumcising her son and it appeased God's anger. And, you know, God wants to use you too. don't hold back. And uh, don't hold back sin. And if you haven't been baptized, I would say get baptized. Hallelujah. And uh, I think that's just an interesting, interesting connection and a right connection to make what we talked about today. So God let them alone because of the circumcision. And now they're moving forward together. Verse 27. Now the Lord said to Aaron, go to meet Moses in the wilderness. So he went and met him. This is you know, God promised that they would, that he would send Aaron and at the mountain of God and kissed him. He's happy to see him. Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord, which he had sent him, you know, incredible words Aaron's going to hear now and, and the miracles and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Aaron had to be like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. You know, Moses told him what God said, which would be hard to hear. Like, really? This is what God said? But then when he showed him the signs, Aaron, how can you deny what, you know, what God told Moses when he saw the signs? Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. That was going to be quite a meeting. And, you know, the elders and the people are going to need to listen to Moses and trust him. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. He then performed the signs in the sight of the people so that they would believe and be on board. So the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed low and worshiped. What a beautiful picture. Imagine them in their slavery now for hundreds of years, hearing that God has heard their cry and that he was about to set them free. And he sees, they see the miracles that Moses could do and they worship the Lord. And what an appropriate and right thing to do. And may we, you know, and it's just making me think now as I get off this podcast with you all, you know, what are the things that God's done for you? How has he been faithful to you? And may we not forget to worship and thank God for how he has blessed and provided for us. And maybe when you're down there and you're saying this prayer to God, maybe God's already brought to mind what you're holding back, if there's something you're holding back. And may you let it go. And if it's baptism, that you'd follow through in your faith and and go ahead and Commit to the Lord and be baptized. Um, So may the Lord give you wisdom. May you hear from him. And may he get the worship that's due his name. God bless you all.